I know who I am. When we have finished with you, you'll no longer be yourself. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and we are finally back to the Jason Bourne series. And today we're going to cover the Bourne Legacy released in 2012. And I got to tell you, it feels like way back in 2012 when we were last together, guys. Rob Harrison, welcome. Yeah, glad to be back. It does seem like that. It, it it has been an extremely long time, but as as life uh, you know usually does, it throws you curveballs and schedules uh, get busy. So it's it's been a long time since we've we've talked about this Born series and this movie. I got to tell you, I am incredibly eager to get your guys' thoughts on because I definitely had an idea in my head about what this movie was and what I thought of it. And after my rewatch, I have to tell you, I have been completely flipped um, in my views of this movie. So I'm going to be interested to see uh, what your guys' thoughts are. Um, I'll start with Harrison for just a, a question, not getting into it. But you've seen this before. I know, Rob, sometimes these opportunities give you the first time that you've been able to see these movies. But Harrison, you've you've seen this before? Yes, I have seen it before. Okay, Rob, what about you? Is, is this one that you actually saw, or is this the first time that you've seen this? Uh, watching it for this review was the first time that I had seen this. Um, it's something that I'd kind of heard some things about, and, and this one is kind of not regarded as a high point of this series. So I was, I was curious to be able to finally check it out for myself. Yeah, no, I, uh, it, it definitely, it, it hasn't been regarded as a high point for this series. Um, quite frankly, some of the people that are in this, I, I forgot about, and there were a lot of things in this movie overall that I just had forgotten. So that's why it was so cool to actually go back and rewatch this. And like I said, my, my feelings have really, really changed on this movie in general, uh, whether that's good or bad will, uh, will be talked about during this review. But uh, before we get into all of that, listeners, uh, I want to give Harrison here a shot to, it's been forever. Um, just talk to the listeners for a second. Let them know um, what's going on with the basement binge and, you know, anything uh, coming up. Yeah. Well, first I have to apologize that the reason that this podcast is taking forever to be released is probably because of me. So if you want to complain against anybody, I will, I will take full accountability. Uh, and that's also why at the Basement Binge, nothing has been released in what feels like an eternity. There are so many episodes that Matt and Rob and myself have recorded, episodes that I've recorded that are ready to be released. I just don't even have the time to sit down and edit them. So when that happens, new releases like Transformers, the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy, and then some really fun wuxia films and kung fu films uh, from international markets I'm really excited to be reviewing. Those will be over at the Basement Binge, which... Is a similar show you can get wherever you get podcasts. But in the meantime, I will be found here at Magos to the Movies. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's it's certainly been, schedule has been weird for me as well. And Rob, I know uh, in the line of work that you're in, it's it's going to get crazy here. Um, but welcome back to you as well. It's it certainly, like we talked about, has has been a while since we've we've done anything um together not even just the three of us but but you and i I know we have some plans to to try and recap she hulk here as that show has come to a close yeah as of this recording the uh season finale is out and i'm i am hearing kind of some mixed things about it and we've heard mixed things about it sort of all season uh if i can get all clickbaity for a second when we get a chance to do our season recap uh my take on it might shock you Oh, I know that means you like it, but <laughs> I'm going to get a little clickbaity. Just uh, tune in. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to Matt Goes to the Movies so you can hear those thoughts uh, as we get them recorded. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to uh, to hear your thoughts. And Harrison, have you been able to catch up on that show? Uh, I have. I'm, I've, I'm, I haven't seen the, the season finale, so all except for that one, I'm, I'm all caught up on. 
Well, maybe we can uh, we can get you in on uh, on the recap as well. That would be That'll pretty be really cool fun. if we, if we have time. But uh, before we do that, let's start talking about the Born Legacy. The you know first movie to not have Matt Damon in the title role. Uh, he certainly is largely looming over this. The events of of his trilogy certainly influence what happens here. But you know, would this movie? Um, you know, did it benefit from not having Matt Damon? Did it suffer from not having Matt Damon? And I will say that I'm going to go first with my like initial thought. When I first saw this movie, I, I wasn't like overly like, ah, this was bad or anything like that. But I was just like, all right, that happened. It is what it is. Um, can we actually get back Jason Bourne if we're going to do another one? Whether or not that ended up being a good thing is another debate we'll have on a, on a future episode. But I will say that watching this movie again, I think this incredibly benefits from a different branching story of how deep this thing goes um, with Treadstone and these programs. Um, in a movie that I found myself thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying um, way more than I did back when I originally watched it. And really kind of saw myself going, I maybe I wish we could have gotten more uh, of these stories. Um, I'll divert to Harrison first because Rob, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts uh, being the, the only time that you've seen it. Harrison, what are your thoughts on a rewatch uh, of this movie before we kind of go over like major details? You, you know, I'll really say that I'm really in agreement with you where, where I, did not have a positive opinion about this. And in fact, if listeners have listened to the other Bourne episodes, I kind of complained about this one before we even got to it. And then coming back to it, I was, as I was watching, continually surprised by how much I was enjoying it and how much, um, oh my gosh, my name, his name just left my head. Jeremy Renner, how good he actually is and how maybe like this is the potential that the Bourne legacy could have had to take this genre and let it be a spinoff with different characters and that that should have been the new direction that it went in instead of what it tried to circle back to with Jason Bourne. Uh, it's kind of a missed opportunity because this I had a lot of fun with. Yeah, Rob, being the first time that you you saw this, what like what were your thoughts? It A lot of time did pass. I'm wondering if maybe that would have changed it from when we watched uh, the Born Ultimatum and, and and did those first three and being somebody who he himself in the previous reviews really enjoyed those movies. Uh, how does this hit for you? So it's okay. So kind of a long answer. I'll try to keep it succinct. I had a lot of thoughts going into this. First of all, you know, getting the opportunity to watch this series was something that I'm actually really grateful that you picked this because this has been on my list of series to get around to, but it's just not something I've ever been able to force myself to just sit down and be like, I'm going to just binge the Jason Bourne series now. Like, it's just like, ah, there's football on, you know, like I'm going to turn my Xbox on. Oh, the kids are yelling at me. All oh, my wife's yelling at me. Like, you know, there's, there's things that just kind of happen that cause you to not watch five feature length films, you know, kind of all together. Um, so like, I feel like I say all the time, I'm so glad for this podcast because it gives me the opportunity to watch and rewatch things that I've been meaning to, to get to. And I really enjoyed the first three films so much together. It's really, I don't want to call it a perfect trilogy, but wow, just each film truly feeds into the next and doesn't have to reinvent new ideas that just don't hold up when, when you introduce them, you know, against the, the rules that were in that were previously set up by the previous film. So, you know, I just enjoyed those so much. And uh, from start to finish, I think it's, it's almost a film trilogy. You should watch back to back to back as we discussed. And that I'd always kind of heard that this film was, was sort of a letdown um, for a variety of reasons. Matt Damon chose not to come back mostly because they were not going to be going with the same director. Um, so they, they took a different direction. I'd always kind of heard that this wasn't great. So I had low expectations coming into it because of how much I enjoyed the first three and what I'd kind of heard about this. And I got to say, other than a few things here and there, one of which I would call somewhat major and the rest are somewhat minor, this was very enjoyable for me. This was a true born film to me. I felt like this holds up just, I don't want to, I'm not going to say it holds up just as well, but this is 
a credible entry in the Bourne series. It's not the highlight of the Bourne series, but it is a credible entry in the Bourne series. And Matt, you had kind of started to talk about just the interesting way they that it's an anthology film. Um, you know, we see this a little bit here and there, um, and I feel like there's really an opportunity to do more of this. You know, we we saw like uh, Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift was an anthology film that really didn't tie in until they sort of made it tie in later in the series. Um, Star Wars kind of does this. Um, they did this with, uh, enter the matrix, the video game and the animatrix that tied in the second, you know, the, that period of time between the second and third films. Um, you know, you can say that Marvel does this to some extent, but some of these beloved series of, of films and shows and things like that, I really think there's more of an opportunity to kind of play around with just what the fallout is of these major um, events that happen in some of these films. I mean, just exploring with, you know, Bourne causes a giant, you know, he's, he's the ripple in the pond that he's, the, he's the rock that causes that these series of ripples. And this film explores what some of those ripples are for the rest of these agents that are in these, you know, black bag programs. And it's such a, a fascinating concept to play with. Um, I was very captivated by it. Yeah, I think those are all really good points. And, you know, there's not too many trilogies or, you know, when you we're, we talked about that before with the Bourne series where it's it really does benefit to kind of watch those like back to back to back if you can or watch those in a relatively short period of time, because each movie literally picks up almost like immediately there, there's not huge time jumps. Like in a lot of these movies where you don't really know what's going on with the characters or like, you just kind of have to fill in the blanks for yourself. Um, and even though this is a, you know, kind of an anthology film, so to speak, it, it's directly related to the aftermath of what Jason Bourne has done in the Bourne ultimatum. And Pamela Landy's character as well uh, being like a whistleblower, so to speak, and and popping the lid off of everything. And, and I just like how this movie flowed in with those. And again, Rob, like you said, is it, is it the highlight of the series? No, but it is certainly a very, very credible entry. And, you know, the person that I was surprised the most with, because I like him, but he doesn't just jump off the screen at you, but I was surprised at how much Jeremy Renner filled the screen um, in this movie. And I thought he was very, he was very believable. He was a nice substitute to Jason Bourne. Um, now I still think, you know, Matt Damon is, is great in, in this role. Um, but I, I found myself very surprised at how much I, I like Jeremy Renner because I'm not overly like impressed with him in other movies or, you know, he's mostly known now for Hawkeye, probably mostly like that's an understatement, but I've never like, you know, I've never been like, Oh my God, he was so great as Hawkeye and the Hawkeye show was so great. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed him. I thought he showed some really good acting chops in this. I thought Rachel Weiss showed, um, you know, a lot of character and there's some truly, uh, unlike, uh, the, you know, the, the born trilogy, I thought there were some genuinely kind of like really uneasy moments in this movie that I thought added to the weight of it and showed you a, a lot more in depth, like how far these people are willing to go to cover things up, how crazy this program and, uh, these other, like you said, these black bag programs that they're doing. Um, and the, the one scene that I'll, automatically go to is that scene where the doctor just starts shooting everybody. Like that's a very uneasy scene, um, but it's shot incredibly well. And that's one of the things that I, I thoroughly enjoy about this movie. And uh, Harrison, I'll just, I'll let you piggyback off that first is just like the uneasiness and really the moral compass. I think of this, um, especially when they're, t uh, Aaron Cross is talking um, 
to Rachel Weiss's character. I forgot her name off the top of my head, but he's like, who tells you that this is okay? Who says that this is right? Who allows you to do this? Um, and like your excuse that it's, you know, cause you always hear that like, Oh, it was for sciences. It's not right. Like you, you, who tells you it's okay to do this to people? Yeah. Um, her character's name is Marta Shearing, but I, what you said about this particular scene going back a bit to that shooting in the, where the doctor does that or whatever it is. Um, I wrote a note down that this action isn't so much intense as it is um, dreadful uh, where I felt like the, the action in the old in the old born movies in the first trilogy was it was just I had a lot of intensity and a lot of action feeling to it where I feel like this film we don't get a lot of action it's actually kind of slow like the first action scene excluding the one where the doctor just kind of murders everybody uh, is about an hour in uh, and even those it's it's just kind of the dread of what's going to happen to the characters and are they going to get out which is is a different feel from the other Bourne movies, which I actually really like because it allows Rachel Wise. I mean, like she's fantastic. We, which is interesting. We really, I, I think the three of us talked repeatedly about how the first trilogy was so good because of Matt Damon and his performance of Bourne and what he brought than more than just a physical fulfillment of an action character. And Jeremy Renner doesn't do it to the same extent, but he does it more, and the film with uh, Rachel Wise as well gives the opportunity to do that more than I ever remembered it. And similar to what you said, like I never thought Jeremy Re- Jeremy Remmer Jeremy Renner goodness as like a really powerful emotional performance. Like he was always just kind of like a character actor for me, and so I was it just expecting that with this character, and it is that to some extent. But there's a heaviness that it lets it have that that I think carries over that same oomph that we continually praise in the, the first trilogy is like maturity. I, that's not the right word, but that's what's coming to mind. Yeah. There's like a real darkness to that lab shooting. Um, you know, this, this movie is made, uh, it's released in 2012. So, you know, it's not like it was at a period of time where mass shootings, workplace shootings weren't in the national conversation. You know, they were happening. I, I just think maybe I, had kind of a real reaction to that because there's, there's real terror on, on their faces. And what's interesting is, you know, the, the character that's being given the order to do this, um, he, he accepts it. He understands why, you know, in his mind, why that's necessary and why it has to happen in his mind. Um, it, it's, it's so dark and messed up to think about like, you know, there's a great line <clears throat> later on that Ed Norton's character, uh, I believe it's Ed Norton's character, says, and I, and I wrote it down, um, sin eaters, morally indefensible and absolutely necessary. It's such a great line, and it's it's a really good summary of how most intelligence communities view themselves. It, and this movie, I think, where it's most effective is kind of like showing the ugly side of safety, you know, what it means to be safe. And, and that's explored really throughout all five of the Bourne films. Um, you know, when you kind of write a blank check to these intelligence agencies to be, you know, the, the hidden hand that doesn't get discussed, you know, our, our service branches, the army, the Navy, the air force, the other branches, you know, they, they're a little more overt with what they do and how they do it. Um, the intelligence agencies, most of their operations, we never find out about or don't even know they exist or have any real clue that they exist. And what this five, these five films kind of like, you know, they're fantastic and they're fictionalized ish. (laughs) Um, But I think this film in particular of the five might do the best of really posing that moral question about, you know, listen, these are the terrible things that are happening in this name of our safety um, or being done with that as its excuse. Um, it, and I, I just was really captivated by that question, particularly during this film. Yeah, the, those are all, I, I love all of those points. And like you stated, um, the way that that doctor just accepts, you know, those orders, like, you know, Rob, like the way he just does that or like Harrison, you know, because y- you are in the same situation. It- it's like 
the wife telling you, hey, can you go to the store and get a gallon of milk? Yeah, sure, hon. Like just two percent or one percent. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you know, and he just he just does it. There's no question about it. Um, and then even he executes the scene, order 66. Right. Know? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. It, it's just unbelievable. But then even too, when the agents come to uh, interrogate um why don't why am i keep forgetting it harrison what's rachel weiss's character's name again oh i just had it uh let me dr marta shearing thank you thank you Uh, um when they go to like you know question her on we want to be able to sign off on you being able to leave and you're not a risk and you understand what's going on like the fact is they're gonna fake you know you find out they're going to fake her killing herself and they're just they're so nonchalant about it. It's unbelievable how these people operate, you know, in that, that area of like no moral compass, because this is how it has to be. Like even her character to a degree, you know, when she keeps talking about, you know, it was for science and, Oh, I don't know. I just do this part of it. Even with her character, there's just that degree of, well, the ends justify the means. And yeah, Rob, I think this movie, more so than than the other ones, I think it explores it a lot more um, and does a really good job of, of how, geez, I don't even know what the word I want to use is, but like unforgiving these these characters are and i think they all do a good job again i was i was really surprised by some of this cast edward norton i mean i love rachel weiss um you know disappointed when she wasn't back for the third mummy movie um i thought her always like disappointed in that yeah like her chemistry with like her chemistry with brendan fraser you know helped those movies a lot and i think it could have it maybe made some of that third movie a little bit more bearable because that new actress that replaced her, uh, she had no chemistry with Brendan Fraser in that third movie at all. Um, but they were all really, really good. And boy, before he was, the more I watch some of these movies and go back and watch things, boy, I forget that Oscar Isaac's been around for a while. <laughs> I loved yeah. when he showed up. Yeah. I was like, damn, there's that guy again. Like, I just I keep forgetting and I forgot what I just watched. I watched like two movies that he was in and I was like, man, I didn't realize this guy was around this long. Yeah. So. I'll tell you how one I, of things that's interesting go, that I, you know, having seen all five of them now, um, it, there's really a lack like the. And, and again, getting back to the idea I was talking about earlier, that this is kind of the ugly side of, of national security. The other four, you know, the, the Jason Bourne focused films, there is some international element at play. There's there's things mm-hmm. happening with with other nations. You know, this one, the bad guys who, the, like the, the conflict is all between uh, unless there's something I'm missing, all like U.S. citizens, like all people right in the CIA. And I think that's what makes this just even that more fascinating is like. There, you know, Jason Bourne is completely sold out by his own government. Yes, but there's there's always like other factors internationally involved in these other things. This one, it's it's all internal, and I think that's what makes it even that much more interesting as a thought. You know, just like a thought experiment to sort of think about. Which is something I actually really liked. I wrote this down that like even that chem stuff and like the, the, the biology and, and mm-hmm. enhancing humans, like what an interesting thing to do with the spy genre. And th- well, I mentioned this on a previous episode that there were parts of this film that I always remembered, but I never knew her from this film, but I was always wondering what movie it was. Cause I wanted to watch it again. And those elements were those like chemical, uh, you know, the, the pills they have to take the biology of it. And you know, like that's really interesting stuff to do. And to then let the conflict be completely self-contained, like it makes everything almost a little more terrifying, but also like less, you have to suspend your disbelief less, if that makes sense. Because, you know, it's not for the fate of every nuke in the world going off at once or something else overdramatic. 
Yeah, I, I, I do think that's that's a really good point. And I don't know why. Again, maybe it's just the characters and how surprised I was at how much. I mean, it's not facial expressions, but I think with what's going on and how it's, you know, close to individual characters, a lot of the stuff when they were talking about, well, this is why you don't need these pills because we gave you the virus and everything like that. Like, that's why you can, you know, you can be off these ones and that's, you know, but we need to get you this virus to have you stay off the blue pills and stuff like that. A lot of that can feel like just because it, it realistically is it's a huge exposition dump. But the way that these characters portray it on screen, again, it just it never it never felt like that. It never I never felt like Jesus Christ, like you just you have nothing. So you have to explain everything. Um, and I thought they did a really, really good job. And. I should have mentioned this in the beginning, but the one thing uh, that I'll say that also surprised me in this movie is number one, when it was done, I just looked at it because I was like, oh, man, like I was trying to line up how much time I would have so that we could do this and and rewatch, you know, make sure that I finished the watch of this and and, uh, Jason Bourne. And I was like, oh, I I don't remember this movie for whatever reason. I thought this movie was like an hour and 30 minutes long and it's not. But I thought the pacing minus a few spots was very, very good in this movie. And I this was something I always remembered, like for some reason, being incredibly short. Uh, But I was surprised kind of at its runtime, but how well it paced itself. Which I agree as well. I was going to say that at some point, whenever, you know, fit, but that, that it just was like not annoying to watch mm-hmm. that I didn't like, I wasn't waiting for something to start. I was never waiting for something to end. And I was never not interested in what was being presented to me. Like even in those scenes where, like I said, it, it's about an almost an hour before we get like a legitimate action scene. And then even following that, we get a lot of exposition and a lot of dialogue and a lot of um, talking headshots. And they're done really well and portrayed and with a story that really works. And that's what I found myself interested in here that like, yeah, there's some moments when the action is really, really cool, which I like. And it's it's great to watch. And I think it's well shot. But in between the story that they're telling is mainly what I'm interested in. And so I'm not feeling bored at any point. I, I think there's a couple moments that and maybe it's just for me, because I actually think kind of the sci-fi elements of this are the part that worked the least for me. And I would say that just the whole like super soldier element of this is actually my biggest um, detractor from this film. Um, You know, unless it's Captain America and the Winter Soldier, I don't really want sci-fi in my spy thrillers. Um, I want it to be based in reality. I want when they do incredible things, because you know they they outthink their opponent, you know they come up with cool traps and and cool ways of getting out of situations, or they analyze a situation. I, I want it to be because they're a real spy. You know, I don't want it to be because they took a pill and, and now they're they have the super soldier serum in them. That to me, I think is makes this movie a little less. You know, and I'm not sure. Like, there, you could still have had all the story beats that you had in this without that. Like, you just would have had to. Have rewritten the some of the reasoning for it but there's the there's the one scene where they're yelling at each other about the pill colors and i'm completely tuned out that scene to me just sucks and and i think part of that might just be because i'm not really bought into the concept of kind of the again the 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 sci-fi elements i'm not sure it adds anything to the story that that this needed i think you could have done this movie without that and it would have been just as effective um, probably more effective. Harrison, any thoughts on that? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm like, I've watched this movie so long ago, so I'm trying hard to remember, but it's interesting to hear you say that because I actually genuinely enjoy that element of it. Like it's, it's actually the part of it that I think would make me most intrigued to come back to this one, if that makes sense. Like we've talked about, you know, am I going to revisit Born, and why would I, and and what points would I revisit, and that type of stuff. And if there were something that would bring me back to this one, it would probably be those elements, and not necessarily like the 
the sci-fi like oh he's a, a super spy enhanced human type thing but like the the character conflict that those things generate if that makes sense like the, the, like his his struggle with understanding what they do and uh Marta Sharin's kind of reaction to it and and like the the dread that I have because of it but it's 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 hard to explain but when you the second you started to say sci-fi rob and i started to think about it, i was like oh yeah that is kind of true and so my perception of it going back would probably be different now and i and it would it would it would be more distracting this time around did i just ruin this movie for you i, uh, <laughs> I was gonna I, I was gonna say where's the where's the notification for rob ruins it but <laughs> oh, wait, I'm just an achievement <laughs> right, exactly ruined born for, for comparison. <laughs> No, and I, I can definitely like I definitely think that's a very, very valid point. Um, and who knows, maybe like on a rewatch or something that would be a little bit more like yeah, on the surface for me. I think maybe just for me, I was able to kind of get past those things that you mentioned, Rob. Well, I certainly think they're they're there. Um Again, I was just so surprised at how much this movie worked compared to like what my thoughts were on this. Um, and I'm definitely curious because, Rob, like you said, you know, this was widely thought about as like, all right, well, it's the weakest entry in the series. Um, if people, you know, like us, like what people would think going back and rewatching this, because how many people realistically are probably going back and watching The Bourne Legacy? You know what I like? So their initial thoughts are probably still their initial thoughts. I, I don't think anybody's maybe typing this in the Google search to see that you can uh, stream it on Peacock if you have that service. So that's a plug. If you want to watch this movie, it is on Peacock. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. If you, it, it, to, if you want me to unruin it for you for a second, um, there is absolutely 0% chance that our intelligence agencies aren't trying to create super soldiers like just right, the stuff right. we know they've done or they've had to like declassify under subpoena. Um, you know, if you've looked at any of that stuff, 100%, like they've got, they've tested stuff that would make what Barry Bonds took look like a Tic Tac. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, based off what you said, Matt, that it, it made me kind of sad watching this movie that like, man, this is the Bourne movie that's just going to be left behind and forgotten, which is probably the one that should have influenced the franchise moving forward. I think I, I really wish that this is the way that things would have went instead of going back with what they did in Jason Bourne, which is a conversation for the next episode. But like as as. As someone who is in love with the action spy genre, I wish we had something out there that could be competing with Mission Impossible besides James Bond. And the Bourne franchise, if you will, could have been something really cool if this would have been received better. And I was really bummed out that when I got a chance to watch the fifth film, it doesn't even acknowledge that the fourth film happened. There was, there was, unless there's something I missed. Um, I was hoping for some kind of crossover or something with the events of this film to impact that film um, that we didn't get, unless I missed something that you guys can, can tell me about. No. Yeah, no, there, there definitely wasn't. I do know at a time there was consideration because I mean, this movie didn't, break the doors off the box office. Uh, it did open number one at, at, at the time, um, you know, made relatively okay money, uh, but, you know, certainly didn't have the universal uh, critical appeal and reviews that those first three movies did. But there was talks about doing a follow up to this because it didn't seem like Matt Damon would come back at all. And then there were talks about having the two of them in a movie together, which I thought could have been very interesting. Um, but it just, you know, it never came to pass, but yeah, I think, and again, this is for Jason Bourne. I don't want to get into it too far in this one, uh, but I think this is really what I would have liked to see the franchise go in the direction of. I think there was definitely 
because they allude to it in this movie um, when Edward Norton's character is like, he, he doesn't say this exact line, so I'm just paraphrasing, but like, you have no idea how far the rabbit hole goes. Like, do you, th- and um, the one director too is like, you think Treadstone's the only thing? Like, what happens if they get a hold of all these other subjects? Um, so there definitely was the idea of this bigger branching universe that I think they could have done. Um, that watching this again really, really interests me. And I, I don't know, Rob, you're a lot more up on like like books and everything than I am. Did they ever do anything with the books like breaking out? Did you ever hear anything about that? Because I know the first movies were they started getting very far away from what the novels were um, and just did their own thing. Um, but I wasn't sure how many of these like Bourne series novels actually came out. I think there's like 27 of them in total. Um, I don't know how many are <laughs> written by the original author. And uh, and I was just I was actually really surprised. And this is just kind of a, a cursory glance over the Wikipedia for it. But um, there's like I'm surprised at how many born kind of like dad jokes that they're able to come up with and still keep coming up with titles. <laughs> but the born legacy is the name of one of the entries in the series but it shares name and name alone. None of the plot points are the same um, as far as I can tell. Um, and there's certain characters that stay alive in the book series that are not alive in the films. Um, it kind of seems like uh, Jason goes back to identifying as David Webb. I think he's like teaching at a college or something like that at, at some point. So um, yeah, it's probably a pretty good read uh, if I ever got around to it. Yeah. Harrison, I, I I wanted to see if for some reason you had anything to add on to that, like bigger universe thing or whatever the case may be. By the be. way, can we start trending the JBCU? I'm I'm here for it. If we can get that started, <laughs> I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, would, I would like to. That's all I have to say. It makes me so sad that the, uh, the consensus was because clearly they wanted to make a franchise out of it. Like that obviously was the intention and was definitely the intention with Jason Bourne. Like... I don't think that they were trying to just make one more Jason Bourne movie. And it's a bummer that this was lost because it's a genre that as far as blockbusters go is kind of held, held up by James Bond and and mission impossible. I can't really think of any other blockbusters that are in this genre consistently. And it's a bummer because like, this is an awesome genre. And every time I watch one of these, I'm like, man, I really like when that end credit, song starts for any Jason Bourne movie. It's just like, yeah, I enjoyed the past two hours. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, This is a complete, complete sidebar. Um, But do you guys know what other distinction this series has that not a lot of series do? Ooh, hit me with some knowledge. It actually produced a well-rated and enjoyable video game adaptation this did one you, did legacy did, you, did no just the the series in general um the game was called the born conspiracy and it takes place before and during the first game and it's actually the first surprise yes yeah sorry the first movie um but like just talking about the born series in general yeah uh this this produced an actual like well-reviewed, well-played video game. Dang. I don't think I knew that, but I did uh, also look up that there was um, one season of a show called Treadstone that was on USA that nobody watched that was supposed to explore some of this even deeper. Not even the people who made it watched it. But <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, no, they did do that. And uh, I, I had heard um, if anybody knows this reference and Rob Harrison, you probably would. I had heard way back when this show, that show first came out, it was basically like the inhuman show. Like it was, oh, oh gosh, dra- it was dragged through the mud, oh. that show. So, wow. Yeah, you probably would. It's it's in a landfill with those copies of E.T., but (laughs) (laughs) so very, very poorly regarded. But 
Harrison, I want to give you, um, I- I'm going to give you a second because I know you guys, uh, you know, one of the things that I love, and this is why Harrison, your reviews are always so like knowledge and, and insightful. Um, you always write down these things that you're, you're thinking about and, and really kind of expand, um, on your thoughts more than I do a lot of the time. So I, I want to give you a second. Is there anything like in your notes that we haven't covered, um, uh, about this movie? Um, let me double check here. The only don't thing make, I, <laughs> I was going to say, don't make me a liar. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, there were two things that I wanted to talk about. One, just like the action sequences in general, I wanted to get your thoughts on those and like just what you guys thought of them. But but before that, do you guys know the watch that he uses at the end of the movie to like kind of save his life? Yeah, that's actually something I specifically had written down. He snags a gold Rolex Daytona off the plant supervisor, and he uses that at the end of the film to kind of bribe his way onto the boat. Um, yeah. such a smart calculated, like a, 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 you know, just a great spy move knowing that internationally you may not be able to take cash with you or have cash that will transfer, like, you know, maybe English dollars don't, you know, or, or American dollars aren't any good for that person, but a Rolex Daytona, that'll get you in any door you want to get in. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting. Cause like the, when he first grabbed it, off the guy, like the plant worker, I was like, what? And I like, I, it, it was like, yeah, Chekhov's like watch. <laughs> I, I was waiting for it to come back. Like, what, what was the point of that? And I just didn't understand it. And then when it showed up at the end, like, it, like I immediately felt dumb. Like, why didn't you get that? Like, not, not that, oh, of course he's going to use it to, to bribe a boat driver later, but like, that is money. And, and this guy knows that he's, he's got to have every option open that he can. So, I thought it was an interesting thing to just like randomly throw in there so early on in the movie, not early on, but to, to like pay it off so much later. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that just, uh, again, one of the things that we talked about, you know, in the, the, what we thought at the time would only be the Bourne trilogy, um, how calculated Jason Bourne was. And I love that they did, um, you know, they they pulled that over into this as well, you know, not only with the watch, but knowing we've got eight minutes before, you know, th- they're going to rush into the house and we're going to burn this down and we got to get a head start. And even in that opening, um, not exactly the opening scene, but before that cabin gets blown up, you know, he's like, do you hear that? It's getting cl-. like he knows something is up. And I just I really like that that small little thing it just shows how crafty he is in the forward thinking that Rob, like you said, this is, I'm going to need this at some point based on what we're going to have to do. Yeah. It's almost like when I'm playing like Skyrim, it's just like, all right, I'm just going to hoard all the loot I can. And and then I'll finish <laughs> the game. And I've literally have like pounds and pounds and pounds of stuff that I was like, I'll save this for later. And then I never end up using it. But yeah, it's just, it's, it was such a cool move because I had that same reaction. Like, he just ripped off the dude's watch. Like, doesn't he have bigger things to worry about? And then at the end, I was like, Oh my God, that was so slick. Like just knowing that in this part of the world, he can bribe for almost anything he wants with a Rolex. Like that was such an awesome move. Like he's a klepto. Like what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was trying to see if uh, the, the game was on uh, Xbox game pass. Um, but it's not. So <laughs> what did it come out? Oh, dang, for? That would have been cool. Uh, I came out for 360. Mm. So you can still get, you can get it for like five bucks off Amazon, but you'd have to have a 360. Mm. Um, Cause it was actually uh, surprisingly, it was such a good game. Like I was really surprised by it, but uh, anyway, uh, Harrison, you, I'm sorry. I know you said you had the one question. Then you, you said uh, the action scenes and what were our thoughts on those? Yeah, in particular, the, the just the main action scenes in Manila is if that's the right place where are like the action scenes with the other guy. What is, what did they call him? the asset? Probably it's been yeah. a while since <laughs> we chasing him, and then the the bike chase, but also just like running across the roofs and just in general. I was curious what you guys thought of it. 
yeah, I mean, again, I was I was surprised. There's not a ton it, but again, that follows suit with what we know from the Jason Bourne series. The they're you know, um, I, I guess you could say they do follow a formula. You get some hand to hand fighting. You get a chase on a motorcycle, a car, sometimes both. Um, you know, but this movie really did capture um, the the spirit of everything um, that I thought was was well done in the first Jason Bourne. And I did enjoy the action scenes in this movie again, because I was surprised how Jeremy Renner handled himself in, in those action scenes. Um, I, I thought he did a really good job. You know, yeah, I, kind of, sorry. Go ahead, Harrison. No, go for it. Um, you had mentioned that it, it kind of takes a while to get to some of the action scenes. You know, we go for a long while. There, there is a lot of exposition. I, I really felt like when we get to this basement lab, that was the first time. And it's towards the end of the movie that we got like what I would consider a true Jason Bourne style action scene. It's seven eighths of the way into the movie, you know, to, to get very specific. Um, because we really didn't get, you know, the the opening scene in the cabin, you know, was not a born style action scene. And there's a lot of space in between, you know, the the shootout when they're at um, uh, Dr. Shearing's house is kind of not the same as what we've we'd gotten before. It was really deep into the movie before we got that true born feel action scene, because these these fights and the, these action set pieces definitely have hallmarks to them in in Jason Bourne. Yeah, no, which I agree with, and and I liked how it worked out just for the most part because especially looking at the two Bourne films that sandwiched between the Bourne Ultimatum and Jason Bourne, as much as I like the Bourne Ultimatum, I would prefer more of this action over more of Bourne Ultimatum. Like I like Bourne Ultimatum, but the shaky cam was starting to get a little bit too much, and I I think that this like. For action sequences, I feel like this was very well shot and well edited and well performed. And it's a bummer that like, and we'll t- I'm going to talk about this for miles and miles in Jason Bourne. It, 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 like that was immediately lost, which is a bummer. Yeah, I, I think those are those are really good points. So, Rob, I'll I'll pose the same question to you if you had anything uh, extra that we haven't covered, um, you know, in, in your notes. Uh, it's funny. Harrison actually hit a couple of the things that I had separately. Um, <laughs> outside of that, like. yeah, there's, um, there's a few scenes throughout this, particularly a lot of the dialogue scenes that I think just needed tightened up a little bit. Um, you know, there's particularly the scene after the lab shooting. I didn't particularly find that well edited. I thought it was a little overacted, just needed tightened up. And I guess that there's points of this movie that some of these dialogue scenes just feel a bit clunky, I suppose is how I would describe it. Um, that I, I think could have been, you know, we talked about the runtime. Um, I think, you know, a red pen might've cut down that runtime a little bit and help move things along, but it's really like very minor things I, I have about this movie to say negatively. Um, there's, there's really not a lot. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I I think that's valid. And I think, you know, um, the the one thing that I really like, one of my last things that I want to say about this is, and we we've touched on it, but I do really appreciate how they make this inside the framework of what we know has been done in Jason Bourne, obviously not the the fourth movie, but that universe but while also making it sort of its own thing and the stuff that they talk about, I like that they don't, you know, like Jason Bourne, Rob, you said it ignores this film. I like the fact that they wanted to try and branch this series out, but also gave it enough, you know, I think what they did to show what happened, like showing that uh, reporter from the Bourne ultimatum in the beginning, and then showing Noah Vosa and him testifying in front of Congress, I thought they gave you the right amount of those scenes to, you know, like bookend where this movie takes place while also, which didn't happen, like we said, saying, 
this is where this could go. These are stories that we could tell. So I thought they did a really good job of making this its own thing while paying respect to the universe that paved the way for this movie to actually happen. I think that's a great encapsulation of this film as a whole. Yeah, I have nothing to add or else I'd ruin it. <laughs> and you can't take away Rob's job. What would he what, what would he do? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, no, I I think this movie, like I said, I just I find myself incredibly surprised and I think what's gonna come next might it might surprise you guys um with what I'm gonna say. Um, you know, similar to how Rob's saying he, you know had some clickbait and maybe a hot take for when we talk about She-Hulk. Um, I want to talk about our, our final thoughts and, and what we think this, you know, where this movie it stands on the popcorn time review scale. Um, and I'm going to go first by saying, you know, when we first did these movies, I gave the born identity a four. I gave the born supremacy a four and I gave the born ultimatum a five. And then I would rank them, you know, just in that uh, the order of the stars, I would say Born Ultimatum was my first, Born Supremacy was my second film at the time, and Born Identity was my third. Um, I originally, when I looked on Letterboxd, I, I had this movie ranked as two and a half stars on, on Letterboxd. And now after watching this again, this is a four for me on the popcorn time scale. I really thoroughly enjoy this movie. And I'm having a hard time placing this be like below the born supremacy. So like I have born ultimatum still as number one. And I really am having a hard time deciding whether or not like it's a it's a two A and two B for me with born supremacy and born legacy. Um, not that the born identity is any worse, but that has absolutely dropped to third on my list after watching born legacy. I really like what they did with this movie. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and really improved my rating for this after this watch through. So, uh, Harrison, I'll let you go next and Rob, I'll, I'll let you cap it off since this was the first time you saw it. And it's the first time you're, you're rating it. I am in a very similar boat to what you just said, Matt. Like, I almost could just copy and paste what you said. That This is a four for me because I was just really, really impressed with it. If you would have asked me to rate it before, I probably would have given it like a two, two and a half-ish, I would guess. Um, and, it, and, and I really, really enjoyed it a lot. Like, it's... There is an enjoyment that I have for the original trilogy... I think mainly because of nostalgia where outside of that, outside of it being Jason Bourne and this not being Jason Bourne, take that out of it. I enjoy these just as much as the, the first trilogy or these, I enjoy this film just as much as the, the first trilogy. Um, and it's just a different character. And I, I really could see myself coming back to this, uh, Again, because I, because I liked it. Now, maybe, like I said, Rob might have ruined it for me. But who knows? I'll have to come back for it. Uh, but in the meantime, four buckets of popcorn for this one. And if I were to rate them in order, I would put the Born Ultimatum and then the Born Identity and then this and then the Born Supremacy. So Because they're all fours okay. right now, so far. Yeah. So, uh, you know... I, I had said at the time that born identity is like the definition of four out of five. Um, and, and I still stick to that. I, I gave five buckets to ultimatum and supremacy. And I, I still think those are better films. I, I would love to say that this is a four. It's not, it's not a three. It's better than a three, but to say it's a four means I like it as much as identity. And I don't actually like this as much as identity. So this is, this is four buckets of, of popcorn for me, but like, that last bucket, my wife took a big handful out of before she brought it to the, into the theater we're sitting. And so it's like it's missing a little bit out of that last bucket. So it's it's a four. But I I'm going to say ultimatum is one for me. Supremacy two, identity three and legacy four. But that's not to say legacy is bad at all, uh, you know, or I dislike it. Yeah, that's almost the hard part. Um 
you know, sometimes with us and Rob, we talked about that with, you know, the MCU rankings when we oh, did absolutely. them. It's like, you know, hey, I have this ranked as 15th, but geez, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's 15th, but, you know, there's 15 players right now that are all tied with 2000 yards passing. So somebody's number one and then everybody else is ranked in, you know, below that, but they all have the same number. So uh, there was only one, you know, I was surprised though for me and Harrison, there was only one of these that we rated a five. Well, I was upon the initial review that you gave, I was shocked when you gave supremacy the, the five, um, which was cool to see, but yeah, it's, it's difficult to sit there and be like, Oh, well, yeah, it's fourth, but fourth isn't bad like fourth isn't bad in this case so yeah i mean the 10th best movie the mcu is still better than just about anything dc's put out <laughs> you know <laughs> almost anything you know like right uh, at least i mean you know batman uh, the batman begins trilogy is kind of its own thing but you know the the dceu um even the best film in that wouldn't even break marvel's top seven probably <laughs> yeah no so yeah that i Again, I was super glad. I mean, I know I I asked to do these movies, but it it was really cool because I don't know if I ever would have gone back based on my feelings and watched The Bourne Legacy. I'm probably, you know, to anybody listening to this, I was probably you like, eh, why would I ever go back and and watch this movie? So I I was super glad that we were able to do this and rewatch this because I, I got to enjoy a film and that's what it's about. Like, <laughs> you know, so, even outside this podcast, we like to watch films. So Matt, I have a question yeah. for you. The, the three films that I can think of that you have drastically changed your opinion on, uh, for the purposes of watching it to review for the show, which film has jumped the most for you on rewatch between matrix, um, uh, not uh, not revolutions. Uh, what's the second reloaded one? reloaded. Thank you. Matrix reloaded Watchmen, um, and this film, those are the three that I can think of that you've said jump the most on a rewatch for purposes of a review, unless there's another one that I'm missing. No, for, for purposes uh, of a review and really just, uh, in general, um, well, uh, yeah, besides the one film, and I don't know if either of you guys know this, um, the only other film that I've ever really had a huge, huge turnaround on from when I first watched it uh, was the movie called Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which is the trilogy capper for oh. um, Mariachi. Uh, what, the first movie, was it called El Mariachi? El Mariachi. El Mariachi. Yeah. Um, and then Desperado with Antonio Banderas, because when I first saw Once Upon a Time in Mexico, I hated that movie. I could not stand it. Um, I must have been having a really bad day because I went to the theater to see it. And like, I remember walking out of there just like pissed off. Um, <laughs> and then I watched it like right when it came out um, on home video. And I was like, what the hell did I hate this for? Like, I <laughs> could not like I could not stand that movie. Um, but out of the three that you mentioned, it's Watchmen um, for sure, because I did not care for Watchmen at all, really, when I first saw it. Um, again, it was I liken it similar to what I thought about Zack Snyder's Justice League movie in you can always count on Snyder for amazing visuals. The, the guy gets visuals like there's no doubt yeah. about it. But story um, is not always his strong point. Like he's just an, you know, he's a lot of the times just over the top. He thinks that you'll forget everything else going on by just watching the amazing cinematography that he has on screen. And I think what he did in Watchmen and how, you know, he changed the story. If you've read the comic, he he did change up the ending and stuff like that. I, I thought when we watched it, Rob, to do the review, I was really amazed at what he did and how much I actually enjoyed the movie. Um, so that one to me is the, is the biggest turnaround overall. Um, cause yeah, I, I just, I definitely was not a fan when I first saw it. Interesting. So, 
but Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Reloaded is close. Um, because also with that one, I was like, I don't hate it, but at the time it was just like, boy, how do you go from the Matrix to this? Like what? Like yeah. what? What happened? Um, and I think that's interesting when you take a new entry in a franchise. And I think maybe there's a piece of this, if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, with with your thoughts on Born Legacy. The first three films in this, you know, were a true trilogy and were really great to watch and enjoy. The fourth one was different. It wasn't what you were expecting. So when you go back and revisit it, any of that disappointment of the buildup of what you were expecting it to be is already gone Mm -hmm. because you already know what it is and what it isn't. And you can just kind of take it for what it is. Um, And I think that was kind of at least I think that was my experience with Matrix Reloaded. Um, And I had no prior experience of this. So I was just really impressed with what it was compared to what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no, I I think that's uh, for whatever reason. And, you know, I at the time, whether or not I I knew it, I think I really was just kind of like, yeah, but it's not Jason Bourne. And I wasn't actually like compressing and and thinking about what this movie actually was at the time. Part of me was just going, all right, well, it's it's not Matt Damon. It's not Jason Bourne. So eh, whatever. Um, Where, you know, now being able to rewatch it, it's like, well, I know that it's not Jason Bourne. I can just watch this and try to understand what the filmmakers were going for. Um, But Harrison, before we close this out, do you have anything like similar? Um, It doesn't even have to be something that we did on the podcast together. Just something that you've watched that you had like a very similar. I mean, I know you said you had a pretty good turnaround for this one, but do you have something that was like a major turnaround for you? Yeah, I'm like looking at my shelf here to see if I can think of anything. Is it uh, is it the last night? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so now he's gonna just look for the steel book so he can admire it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just um, hold it up to our to hold it up to our face. Ha! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't reach it. I or else I totally would right now. It's too far away. Um I actually there is one that I can see on my shelf right now. Uh, La La Land, I would say, is the only other one where I had like such a significant change of thought the second time around. And I think that the reason for that both times is because the first time around, I was expecting it to be something that it wasn't. Like if you go into Mm. this movie wanting it to be a, a sequel to The Bourne Ultimatum. Or you want more Jason Bourne. You want more Matt Damon. Well, obviously, you're not going to get that. And so there's a new character and there's a new story and and it's different. And if you want it to be the same, it's disappointing. Um, but once you know what it is, you can come back to it and enjoy it for what it is. You know, like I always say this, that that if you you go to... If someone hands you like a Big Mac, but you think you're getting like some gourmet... $20 burger mm-hmm. and you buy into a Big Mac like that's disappointing but if you know you're getting a Big Mac and you buy into Ma- into that it's not I'm fairly certain yeah. Big Macs are $20 now <laughs> <laughs> as I said I was like maybe, maybe that's a maybe I gotta go higher yeah, yeah. The, the, this movie way back when catfished you it was like because they, they show you that picture of Matt Damon and then it's like that's not his face like yeah. <laughs> that's when Jeremy Renner shows up but yeah so all right well that's gonna that's gonna do it for this episode um a a pleasant surprise i was wondering if i was going to be the odd man out here and like really enjoying this movie so uh it was interesting to hear that you guys had a similar opinion on that one so um we will conclude this episode, but Rob, I know you've got a busy season coming up, but is there anything that you have coming from Rob's reviews um, trying is, to get on the schedule? Yeah, funny you should mention that because we are going to be recording this week. So every October, oh. at Matt goes to the movies, um, always dipping into the spookier side of cinema. So right now there's been plenty of episodes released. Uh, the, the most recent Halloween film came out. Matt's recently done a rundown of the, his thoughts on the whole Halloween series. And it's just kind of interesting. You know, it's not a film series that I particularly have followed closely, but it's one that you have. And just being able to listen to just 
the the nuttiness that is kind of what they retcon, what they keep, what they throw <laughs> out. Like that's wild. Like that's absolutely wild. So I would encourage listeners to check that episode out. Lots of good Halloween content uh, and and scary films uh, always available at Matt Goes to the Movies in the month of October. So Eric and I have selected a film. Uh, and we will be bringing it to listeners uh, sometime later this week as our contribution to uh, the uh, spooky season. Very cool. Yeah, there's there's 14 Halloween movies and there's 25 timelines. Um, <laughs> oh, that is excessive. <laughs> it's it's not that much, but it's uh, if you think the the X Men timeline is messed up based on what they did, boy, you'd have a field day with trying to figure out what movies connect in the Halloween franchise. Cause yeah, coming soon in uh, October of 2023, uh, Halloween and the multiverse of madness. Yeah, seriously. It, <laughs> the multiverse it of used, Michael. Yeah. It, it used to be Halloween one and two, and then three was kind of like the born legacy an anthology film. And then they said, well, three doesn't really exist and one, two and four kind of a thing but they're not and then four five and six were something and then seven erased four five and six and only followed one and two and then they did a remake and yeah it got crazy um but yeah that is uh that was a fun episode to do there is the new movie halloween ends which is in theaters and streaming on peacock now that uh we'll have a review posted um roughly around the same time that that this one is posted and our our review for Jason Bourne. So uh, plenty more horror movies coming up on Matt Goes to the Movies for the month of October. So Rob Harrison, thank you. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. And we will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.